0: Since taking credit is a form of taking, I'm writing under a pseudonym. I bought nearly all my Bitcoin at the start of 2015 and my cost basis was well under $300 a coin. I'd known about the national debt and fiat uh, monetary systems for 30 years and knew that it was all a house of cards. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, there is a new way of holding scarcity that is really pure. Bitcoin is incredibly cool. It's incredibly important. It is the most important technology of our lifetimes.
1: And I should call you, I think uh, Donald. You said on the, pe- the website.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that would be fine. <laughs> Perfect. Or or Mr. Comply. I don't know. The, <laughs> Any, whatever you prefer.
1: <laughs> then Mr. Comply. I think uh, that's uh, that's an amazing <laughs> name. <laughs> Then, uh, hello, Mr. Comply. <laughs>
0: well, hello there.
1: I love, by the way, your handle, like, do not comply because it's, uh, it goes in this whole thing of self-sovereignty, of Bitcoin helping us being more free. And you also have, like, an amazing pin tweet I want to get to because you said, like, uh, Bitcoin does not fix everything, but it's fixed the foundation of everything. Um, Maybe let's start there, like how does Bitcoin help us be more sovereign, be more free, be more in our being and what can we do beyond being uh, in Bitcoin?
0: Well, gosh, uh, you know, the topic that we're getting into that, I mean, you're really starting with the with the heavy artillery, I think Uh, (laughs) the um, I, I would say just to try to summarize my views about what bitcoin creates and encourages is the fact that um you know most systems you've ever been part of and most games you've ever played you can there's always an incentive and an ability to cheat in some way and there just seems to be something intrinsic to bitcoin where if you play by the by where playing by the rules is the only way to go because you've got uh, such an extraordinary amount of uh, proof of work behind it that uh, there's really no way to jump outside of the constraints of how the system is supposed to work. So, um, you know, I, I I think there's just something about Bitcoin that shines a light on uh, on behavior that is less than virtuous, and especially if you've been. Part of the Bitcoin world for many years, you just regularly see people become prominent, and then like they do something that is just totally not cool, and the community realizes it, and those people just are uh, unceremoniously, uh, 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 you know, their their star no longer continues to rise. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah, you know so it's just a remarkable thing that that i think bitcoin is unique in rewarding virtuous behavior and spotlighting uh despicable behavior or or behavior that's even uh less than honorable and and uh and uh the longer you're in it the more you see how true that is
1: yeah um Maybe before we get into your whole Bitcoin story and how did you discover it and how, why it's meaningful to you in, in, in more ways, why did you choose to stay anonymous? Like it, I think it's a really honorable thing to do uh, because basically you're putting out Bitcoin education, you're putting Bitcoin out without uh, taking credits uh, on your person. It's like an, an, an ego-less thing to do. Um, why did you do that in the first place?
0: Well, I, I think I think what I wrote on the front page of my site actually answers that question better than I can do extemporaneously. So let me, if you don't mind, let me uh, read this to you. That's just a couple of paragraphs. Uh, okay, so right now this site exists solely for the sake of hosting my Bitcoin Basics essay. Eventually, I might write about other things I care about, such as privacy, authoritarianism, and other fun topics. If and when I do, I'll revise this front page to feature my new stuff. For now, I'll just say that this site is all about giving and asks for nothing in return. I'm running it in the most principled way I know how. There are no pop-ups, no ads or affiliate links, not even any cookies. I even refuse to use Google Analytics, opting instead for the privacy-respecting and cookie-free burst statistics plugin for WordPress, And since taking credit is a form of taking, I'm writing under a pseudonym. I pay for hosting out of my own pocket and make no attempt to monetize this website or any of its writing. And then I say where you can find me on Noster and on Twitter, and I have a page for my podcast appearances, of which uh, this podcast will uh, soon be added as soon as the show goes live. So anyway, I think that kind of explains my orientation and at least part of why I chose a pseudonym. And of course, the other part is that I'm a relatively early hodler. I bought nearly all my Bitcoin at the start of two two 2015, and my cost basis was well under $300 a coin. So um, I have enough things to worry in my life, and I have kind of a, an alternate career where I'm kind of known and, and prominent, so it's like, you know, just just not uh, having my identity put out uh, because I am a hodler and because I've, I'm kind of early to the game uh, just makes sense from an operational security point of view, I think.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing. I saw it also with some uh, people like uh, Gigi in, in Germany where he in the beginning he was uh, normally on uh, converse, uh, on meetups and everybody saw his face. But at some point he chose to be completely uh, private with like his suit on and, and as we as we yeah. know him. And I think different people choose different paths. Like um, what? what like for for example, what can everybody do to like improve privacy uh, like and how much privacy is 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 enough for like the 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 person that maybe does not who wants to get out there who wants maybe even put the face on like the bitcoin story but still wants to protect your privacy like do you have any recommendations uh for people like that I mean they cannot deny that they have bitcoin kind of uh but do do you have any recommendation for for example me
0: uh in in terms of establishing a little more privacy
1: yes.
0: uh a, a, while having your actual name out there not not really because i think once once you you know once your name is out there it's uh, you kind of have to go to some uh extreme lengths to to lock things down. Uh, you know, so it's I, I, you know, I've been spending every day reading up on Bitcoin for well over five or six years before I felt called to do anything in the Bitcoin space. And, uh, you know, so by then, for me anyway, I, I kind of chewed on this for long enough that I realized that uh you kind of need to decide before you even start out, are you going to put your name out there? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that it would take just a little bit of Googling uh, based on the story you told me about Gigi for me to find his last name and to learn some, you know, stuff about him, even though that, that's something he clearly doesn't want. And so like if, if, if you enter the public Bitcoin world as a pledge, and you've divulged your first and last name, I, I think at that point it's kind of game over. But, um, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, some somebody like, you know, somebody like you, Robin, you know, uh, that's probably not that big of a deal because the likelihood of you becoming, you know, uh, comparably well known as people like Lynn Alden or Michael Saylor or Trace Mayer or uh Andreas Antonopoulos. I mean the, the likelihood of that happening is is probably very small. So you're very far down the line of uh I think having anything significant to to worry about. Um but you know having having said that, you know, I, I think a little bit of operational security is always appropriate, even if if you're kind of well known I mean, I would never go out in public wearing a bitcoin t shirt are you kidding me it's just it just makes no sense at all. It's like you might as well go out in public with a with a target on your back, you know <sighs>
1: The only uh, Bitcoin merch I have are, are socks, and you can only see uh, that they are Bitcoin socks if I have uh, if I put my jeans up. <laughs> and, and, and the uh, thing also I have is the, the Bitcoin hat, but I basically never wear it, so it's just there for for the for the YouTube video. And in public, you, you never see that And And um, I mean, also like I think, as you said it, I it's kind of you go under the flow of bitcoin influences because more and more people are coming up and, and and speaking about bitcoin and there are more bitcoin podcasts coming up there are more bitcoin uh posters bloggers vloggers whatever uh, coming up and you kind of are in a sea of people but of course if, if people really want to attack me like i have a lot of material online they can really look into me and uh, they kind of find out stuff about me but uh, yeah it's 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 a risk i i took uh um kind of uh, intentionally uh, uh-huh. because uh I wanted to get my name out there and I wanted to uh, associate myself also with bitcoin but yeah it's something that we have to live with
0: it it would uh, now i need to say that uh i was pretty prominent in my regular lifetime uh career before i got into this and I think part of why I was willing to be anonymous is I've had all the I've had all the attention and all the pats on the back that uh, a person needs for an entire lifetime. So I really didn't care about whether anybody recognized that uh, who I was or what I'd done in the world in the world of Bitcoin, because, I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I've already got I've already received so much attention for other things I've done in life. Um, The, uh, let's see, the, the, um, the thing to be, you know, really focused on, I think is, is just to realize that, you know, there's, there, there's more people coming in and there's a real disadvantage to working under a pseudonym or working anonymously, it's, it's, it, for me, it was all, it turned out to be much, much, much harder to, uh, get initial attention for my work, uh, because I was starting out as a complete unknown. I couldn't leverage my identity in my existing career. And, uh, so I, I kind of had to start from zero. I very much feel like had I had my bitcoin basics essay had i been able to come out with something like that in 2016 i would have become one of the better known people in bitcoin but the fact that i came out with it in 2023 uh and did it under a pseudonym it has taken me an enormous amount of work to get a relatively small amount of attention even now um only about 4,000 people have read the piece, and if it, weren't for, uh, if it weren't for Gigi, who was the first person to tweet about it, if it weren't for John Ballas, who was the first person to have me on a podcast, if it uh, weren't for the uh, Swan Bitcoin post uh, people uh, featuring me in their daily newsletter, if it weren't for those things, uh, it, the, that piece would have just been dead and died on the vine. So um I, I am it 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 worked out uh fine for me, you know, to have done this under a pseudonym, but it took a whole lot of extra work uh to get this piece to have any attention. Uh I'm really delighted though that uh even though it's only had about four thousand views, it seems to have inspired a lot of passionate uh response. I mean, to the point that it has, uh, people have felt called to translate it into Spanish and into Italian and, uh, uh and into French. So it's now in four languages. Uh, And that's without my even trying to make that happen. People just went out and did this because they felt like, uh, um, you know, the coverage for a Bitcoin introduction in those languages was insufficient. And so they felt called to, uh, to translate my piece, which was really an immensely rewarding thing to have happened.
1: It's kind of a, the biggest compliment you can make like, oh, it's in English. Uh, I have to have it and also in my local language to show it to uh, my local community. This is uh, uh, beyond like the the first compliment is like if someone reads it from front to back, like if the, the whole thing from zero to, to, to down the line uh, and then tweeting about it, sharing it and then even uh, translating, it's like kind of the, the, the biggest compliment you can make someone. Um, How did you discover Bitcoin in like...
0: Actually, the very end of 2014. um, And uh, uh, what was funny about it is when I first discovered it, the price of Bitcoin was around $325 and I was just sold. I wanted to put, uh, you know, the the overwhelming majority of my savings into Bitcoin. And I uh, got a Coinbase account and I started putting orders in at the at the end of 2014. And what was really funny was that um, I, I put in this $5,000 order, you know, for, uh, gosh, 15, 13 or 14 coins, whatever. And and um, I put the order in. and I'm like, OK, now I'm going to own, you know, 14 Bitcoin. And I was like, very excited. And the order was taken. And then like three or four days later, Coinbase would email me and said that the order had failed to go through and I needed to try again. And meanwhile, the price of Bitcoin had dropped by 10 bucks. So I tried again, and another three or four days went by and it got rejected. But the price of Bitcoin had dropped another 10 bucks. And so by the time I was able to start placing orders, my I, I don't think I ever paid more than $300 for a coin, and it kept dropping and over that month. Um, I hate to say it, but, but um, I, I was running out of money. I had the last $5,000 or so left, and Bitcoin, one evening in January of 2015, Had dropped like $35. It dropped all the way down to like $230. I put in, I spent the last of my money on this order. And that was the night that Bitcoin dropped all the way down to like $178. And by the time it was down there, I'd already placed my order and I was out of money. I could have gotten a few more coins uh, for the same amount of money had I only. Uh, you know, had I only timed things perfectly, but I, I actually bought Bitcoin on the day where it went to like, I think it was a multi-year low by that point. And then very quickly it, it, it floundered back up and then it stayed in the 220s for an entire year. Like it just was it, it all of 2015. If you look at the chart. It essentially stayed between 220 and $230, which was like $40 less than my cost basis. So I was underwater with Bitcoin for an entire year. And I remember during that time, I met some guy who had bought in at $800 a coin, and he was totally bumming uh i don't know what uh, i i only met him so i don't know if he had the fortitude to hold on but um i was underwater for well over a year um but i knew what i had and i really didn't care that i was underwater because as far as i was concerned um bitcoin was either going to fail and go to zero or it was gonna to go to ten thousand. Like ten thousand was like the city on a hill at that point. That was like the idea that Bitcoin could be ten thousand dollars. Like I was convinced that it could be, but I think that was as big as most people at that time could bear to could dare to dream. Um, anyhow, you asked me how I got into it, and I had been staying in uh uh I have, I have an old friend who who's divorced and who lives in Hawaii. And at the time she had a couple of uh, pre-adolescent children and her kids were uh, uh, with their dad in California. And so she had her child's bedroom free. And uh, so I, I said, hey, I really want to come back to Hawaii. I'd lived there for a while so we worked out a deal that i'd pay her rent for a couple of months and and sleep in sleep in her kids room and um so one day i was uh i was just in the mood to i was hanging out i was like it's the middle of, of the afternoon i'm slacking off and i was in the mood to listen to podcast and this was like uh joe rogan had was by then one of the Biggest podcasters, but he hadn't quite reached that, you know, enormous, uh, enormous the the uh, you know the kind of fame he has today. But he was well known, and I I like to show I'd been listening to it from the beginning, and uh, I want to I, I decided I'd listen to a Rogan podcast, and it had been a, a couple of months, so there are at least twelve episodes that he'd done since the last time I listened. So I looked at the roster of different names and, uh, you know, at, uh, I mean, everybody from martial arts to mu- music to comedians, you know, trying to decide who am, who, who am I going to listen to? And uh, among the recent guests was this guy with this uh, crazy name, Andreas Antonopoulos. Huh. Uh, you know what? What kind of name is that? And just the name kind of grabbed my attention, and I clicked on it, and it's like, oh wow, this is about Bitcoin. And I had known about Bitcoin for a few years by that point, because uh, I'd been reading Slashdot in 2012, 2013. I definitely thought it was kind of a, a beanie baby novelty kind of thing, and I could, uh, I, I could see that it had the potential to get hot and I had loosely followed it to a thousand bucks and then was really happy when it crashed because I figured maybe at some point I'll buy in. Uh, But I really did not understand in any kind of deep way uh, how Bitcoin worked. I didn't understand proof of work. I didn't understand that it was based on uh, uh, public and private key encryption. I didn't understand, you know, really the essentials of uh, what Bitcoin was. And I certainly didn't understand uh, the simplest and most important thing, that there was a fixed uh, f- supply of 21 million coins. And uh, during this, this podcast, uh, Andreas, I think, masterfully explained some of the essentials. And uh, luckily for me, uh, i had just enough of a background in a bunch of disciplines that i feel like i connected the dots uh right away like everything just snapped together for me like like a uh, like a jigsaw puzzle uh and so um really by the end of that episode uh Knowing, knowing the things that that uh, that Andrea said, and and having having a background in some of these things, and and knowing also that uh, uh, by this point I was around fifty years old, and I'd known that you know I'd known about the national debt and uh, fiat. Uh, monetary systems for 30 years and knew that it was all a house of cards. And all of a sudden, I, I'm like, "Wow, there is a there is a, a new way of uh, uh, of uh, there there is a new way of holding scarcity uh, that is really pure because hey, there's only 21 million coins." And I also have to say that that I realized. Uh, how early I still was that I, even though uh, even though Bitcoin was by this point a few hundred dollars a coin, I could see right away that it was just it, 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 as long as it didn't go to zero, it was insanely undervalued, because uh, you know at this point uh, I'll, I'll just say one thing: there's 21 million coins, and at $300 a coin uh you could you could buy one one millionth of the uh, of the world's supply of bitcoin You could buy twenty one coins for barely six thousand dollars whereas at the time i think I think gold was like fifteen hundred dollars or something, and there's six billion pieces of gold or, or there's six billion ounces of gold. Above ground gold, so it's roughly one ounce per person around the world. So if you just do a comparison, uh, y- you know you could buy one one million the supply of bitcoins for for barely four ounces of gold. It was just like, are you kidding me? Like, like how can Bitcoin be three hundred dollars when when there's only twenty one million pieces of this? Whereas, a, whereas an ounce of gold and there's 7 billion pieces of gold is $1,500. Like I could see right away that it was just a matter of time that Bitcoin would be worth vastly more than an ounce of gold as long as it survived. And I figured, hey, it's 2015. Bitcoin's been around since 2009. It hasn't failed yet. It seems like it's resilient. Um, I suppose it could implode. But I, I think I readily understood that all the times that Bitcoin was thought to have failed, Bitcoin itself had done exactly what it was supposed to do. What had failed was a bunch of Ponzi schemes and Mt. Gox, which had nothing to do with Bitcoin itself. And I think I think that, you know, things like that, that were pitfalls to other people understanding Bitcoin, I I just had enough background of cryptography, of game theory, of economics, and uh, just sort of critical thinking and common sense to just see through uh, a bunch of the most common objections. And as I said, I think that uh, Andreas offered such a masterful introduction to the topic that uh, I, I kind of knew my way around uh, enough to to make a to make a relatively informed decision that hey this is where I want to put the bulk of my assets and so really I I, I did a few more days of research after that podcast listened to another one he had done earlier with Rogan and by that point I was uh, uh, by that point I was getting getting a, an account with uh, Coinbase and getting started. Uh, uh, sh- uh, uh, moving my savings out of dollars and into Bitcoin.
1: It's fascinating because you said that you have like um backgrounds in like uh, in all those things that you need to understand Bitcoin. And you all re- also have been like 50 years old when you went into Bitcoin. How did you protect your... Savings before Bitcoin? Did you have a strategy before Bitcoin to uh, counter the fiat monetary system and inflation? Did you wear in gold? Did you were in stocks? What did you do before Bitcoin?
0: Uh, you know, the work that I've chosen to do in my life is has never been lucrative. Uh, For a while, I was a tech writer, but I just uh, I've just tried to do things in the world that I thought would make a difference. So there's um, to this day, uh, I have only there's only been one year that I made more than fifty thousand dollars. So I uh, I was uh, I mean, that's. From my work, obviously my Bitcoin investment has has done very well but uh, as far as like earning money from my work i I have uh, i I grew up I grew up very upper middle class but after I left college I uh, uh, really struggled sometimes I mean to the point that um, uh, uh, for a number of years I uh, I you know to sort of save rent I lived out of a minivan and traveled around the country and kind of enjoyed myself and it was like um uh, I suppose it was something like 50% homelessness and 50% uh just uh, uh adventurous uh living but I mean it, there was definitely a, a poverty component to uh to my decision making and um so uh, I had done very well with my stock investments. Uh I mean, so I'd been able to accumulate uh you know tens of thousands of dollars, but that's that's not a heck of a lot of money when you're fifty years old. Uh and uh I just I think at the time I felt like uh I felt like this was Bitcoin was either going to go to zero or it would be a, a, a 50 or 100 to one return. And I thought the odds were that it was not going to fail. So uh, it just seemed to me like um, I won't say I YOLO'd into it. Uh, you know, you only live once, whatever. I sort of did and I sort of didn't. I, I. Because I I thought that it was uh, you know Vijay BJ, BJ has this uh, in the bullish case for Bitcoin he he has this wonderful term an asymmetric bet and long before I discovered Bitcoin and and heard that wonderful phrase uh, or, or, or I'm I'm sorry long before I discovered his work and heard that wonderful phrase an asymmetric bet. Uh, I may not have known the phrase, but I recognized right away that it was an asymmetric bet that, um, you know, this was something that if it as long as it didn't fail, there would be at least a 50 to one payoff. And so given that that was the case, I, I figured, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to just put what I have into this. And I saw the logic of it and I uh, whether it went up 50 percent or down fifty percent, I didn't care. I was going to hodl this thing, and I was going to ride this thing either to zero or, uh, or you know, to the moon. And um, to this day, uh, and it's now been uh, it's now been seven years. Uh, I have never parted with a single Satoshi.
1: I'm super excited to announce that this podcast just got the first. Ever sponsor. I just started the podcast out like three months ago and now we have 21 Bitcoin as a partner for this podcast. 21 Bitcoin is Bitcoin only from day one and they teach and preach self-custody. This is my go-to exchange when someone asks me, oh, where can I buy my Bitcoin from? This is the easiest entry for Bitcoiners. And if you want lower fees, plus at the same time, support this podcast, use code ROBIN and click the link in the description. I had already two guests on that were before 2015 to 2014 in uh, Bitcoin and started really uh-huh. early on with their Bitcoin journey. And they both said to me that they are now not buying anymore <laughs> because they cannot uh, um, they cannot fathom that they bought at like so low prices, and now they have to pay such a huge amount and they just like are you still buying bitcoin are you uh, what i what, what is your kind of setup now with with Bitcoin and buying and then holding on to it
0: Well, I think I can give you a really good answer to that question uh and that's uh and that stems from something I cover in my essay. There's an entire section in in my Bitcoin basics piece where I talk about uh, the phrase "unit of account," and so the idea the idea here is that um, like I'm in Japan right now, uh, and let's let's just say Bitcoin did not exist. Let's just keep things really simple. Uh, you know, it might be convenient for me to just shift all of my savings into Japanese yen because that's the only money I'm spending. But I know that the uh, Japanese yen is likely to continue to depreciate against the dollar over time. So even though I'm only spending yen these days, to the extent that I have uh, fiat currency, my unit of account is the dollar. And I keep Most of my I I only I only go and get yen uh, a few hundred dollars at a time when when I'm out of cash and I try to have as as few yen as possible. I try to never have more than a month or two's worth of Japanese yen on me when I live in Japan in the same way, though, uh, I also uh, don't want to own dollars and i try to keep my total amount of dollars between 5 and 10000 dollars i i don't like to i never want to have more than 10000 dollars because to me my 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 true unit of account it's certainly not the japanese yen but it's also not the dollar my unit of account is bitcoin so um what i can tell you is if uh is if your appearance fee for this podcast was was ten thousand dollars, and uh, I could expect a check in the mail tomorrow for ten thousand dollars for having me on this podcast, you know what I would do with it, of course, I would cash it and I would put all of that ten thousand dollars into Bitcoin because my unit of account is bitcoin if i get If I get a windfall. Some unexpected windfall. I'm still going to buy Bitcoin with it because it's my unit of account, and I know that uh, the dollar uh, is is and and all the rest of the fiat currencies, like the the cliche that the dollar is the cleanest shirt in a drawer full of uh, dirty laundry. It is correct. You know, the dollar is the best fiat currency out there, but it's still it's still going to trend to zero, and. And that that reality gets clearer every day. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter that my cost basis was uh, under $300 a coin. My unit of account is Bitcoin. So anytime I get a windfall, it's going into Bitcoin. And I can can continue this story uh, because it always turns out to be a good move. You know, uh, a year and a half after I bought Bitcoin, Bitcoin had risen all the way to like a thousand bucks. And I was uh, lucky enough to get this really lucrative consulting gig that uh, was going to pay $2,500 for just three days worth of work. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to turn that down. That's the most money I've seen in, in years. So I took this gig and, um, I talked to the guy and we we were discussing Bitcoin and I was really urging him to get some of it and he said well do you want me to pay you for your consulting fee in Bitcoin and I was like yeah of course I do so so what happened was in two and a half days or three days in in uh, 2016 I was I, I earned twenty five hundred dollars which turned into 2.5 Bitcoin. So in, so now, in hindsight, in, in three days, I had earned $100,000. So even though the price was triple what I bought my initial stash for, it sure turned out to be a, a good investment. Um, and I think right now, like, there is, um, I personally think there's a lot of upside right now. I think this is where, where price is concerned, I feel pretty confident that we are at the start of a major bull market. I think uh, there's that um, there's that guy, Fred uh, something or other, uh, who's been talking about uh, Bitcoin ETFs and the impact they're going to have. I'm forgetting his name, but I hope you can put it in the show notes. But he's, um, he has he has a really extensive background in finance and he's been talking about why the happening is, is actually a relatively minor uh, factor this time around compared to the eventual impact of these ETFs. And uh, I think we're at a, a point where there is a, uh, tremendous upside. And it seems like a lot of the conventional wisdom out there is that we're going to see $100,000 Bitcoin in the next year or so. And I don't like, I I don't really make price predictions, but that, I I think we're, I I think we're on the brink of a really big run up. I mean, the only prediction that I really make, and, and certainly the only one I made in my essay, is that You know, price is set on the margins, and we are going to have a supply shock with Bitcoin. And I think the ETF, and I think um, a supply shock is a lot like drinking a milkshake. You know, you're you're sitting there with your straw, and you're contentedly sipping away, and every every sip, you know, it, it feels the same, it tastes the same, and you're sipping away, and then all of a sudden you take one more sip, and it's gone. It's gone. Your your milkshake has suddenly run out, and I think that we're going to see that with Bitcoin, where where um, all the trading deviants have gotten rid of the last of their coins, and there's just going to be there's always going to be Bitcoin available for sale, but there's not going to be anybody to speak of selling entire coins at anything like a reasonable price. And I think that um, when the supply shock hits, we're we're gonna we I I I felt this for years that we're gonna see a a ten thousand dollar day a ten thousand dollar candle where we in one day the price of Bitcoin goes up a hundred or ten ten grand, and uh, yeah I would uh, uh, if any of my close friends would like to bet a bottle of expensive scotch on that happening in the next five years, I I would take that bet. So, um, you know, I think a supply shock is coming. I think that it's really important that people think about unit of account and to choose your unit of account consciously instead of just making it whatever currency is uh, is used in the country you were born in. I think that's a crazy way to decide your unit of account. You should. That should be your decision, not not based on where you were born. Uh, so yeah, I hope I hope that's. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of rambling a bit over several topics, but uh, I hope this is responsive to some of what you're asking.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. And, and It covers so many topics and you you also mentioned uh, the Bitcoin Basics articles and this was basically the, the start of me contacting you to to be on the podcast because I, I liked the, the article a lot and um, you probably also uh, orange-pilled uh, a lot of people along the way or at least you talked with uh, a lot of, of uh, people along the way. Uh, what is For you like the most effective way to explain someone bitcoin like how how uh how does it make click for people the fastest or what what do you have as an 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 experience or uh, in orange billing people
0: okay so so i think i'm going to give you an unusual response to this question and that is that, um, well, it depends on your level of expertise. Like, um, I, I think, you know, somebody like, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, somebody like Preston Pish, uh, somebody like Marty Bent, uh, could, if they were sitting next to somebody on an airplane, and had a couple of hours to just do a back and forth, they could get into any topic that the person brought up and just give a personalized introduction uh, that would be really effective. I'd like to think that I could do that too. But, uh, But the truth is that I think that since Bitcoin is so profoundly multidisciplinary, you know, if you have if you have the technical skills, you might not have the economic understanding. If you have the economic understanding, you might not have the communication ability to to sort of dumb it down and and say it in more accessible terms. You know, so there's it. It really even even Satoshi himself herself uh, itself once said uh, that. Once complained that uh, hey, you know it's really hard to introduce somebody to to Bitcoin because I have nothing to compare it to. So if somebody is as brilliant as Satoshi had trouble introducing Bitcoin, I I just want to say to most of your listeners, you know, hey, what chance do you have? I mean, maybe you can, maybe you have some gifts there, but probably most people don't. So. What I would suggest is is is, is instead of trying to uh, trying to orange pill somebody through a series of uh uh through covering all these basic topics uh instead what makes more sense is to just use your social capital you know Hey Robin, I've known you since high school. you know you, you you know we've we've been friends for a long time. You know that I've done this, this, and this right. You need to listen to me here. It is worth investing five or ten hours of your time into Bitcoin and go and read this or go and watch this but but please you know we've been friends for this long, and just take my word for it. Uh, The very best thing you could do over the next week is to give Bitcoin five hours of your time. Oh, here's a really good article. And, you know, I would hope that some of your listeners, after they read my Bitcoin basics piece, will make my article their default uh, recommendation. But, you know, my Bitcoin basics piece uh, is something you could read in a sitting, but it took me. Uh, about six weeks to write, it is very, very difficult to lay out all these complicated topics in a really simple way and, and and also to choose uh what gets left in and what gets left out and and let me just say you know if you 're talking to your grandma about the block reward, you know uh you 're going over her head probably uh you know your grandma may have Attended MIT as a computer engineer, so who knows? But um, it's just really easy to get too technical when you're talking to people, and and I think that rather than try to, I think I think that for most people, it's it's uh, it's a mistake for them to try to explain Bitcoin because uh, uh, even if you do understand it, you may not be able to explain it well, and I think very few people understand. Uh, all the essential topics well enough to explain them sufficiently and accurately and to be and to also know what what things are not worth getting into so in my bitcoin basics piece i made those hard choices about what to leave in and what to leave out and um yeah i'd be really happy if uh if if more people Uh, adopted that as their default recommendation. But whether you do or not, uh, I I feel strongly that the best strategy is to not try, is for most people to to never really try to go into the details about Bitcoin with anybody, but instead to figure out what is my default recommendation for the best thing to read or to watch, whether it's a, a book or a YouTube video or an article, whatever it is, Figure out the thing you're most comfortable recommending, and then just to orange pill somebody, just say, hey, you know, Bitcoin is incredibly cool, it's incredibly important, it is the most important technology of of, of our lifetimes, perhaps. And there's really no better use of uh, of the next five or ten hours of your time uh to to learn the very basics as quickly as possible. Please go and read
1: this. Please go and watch this, and and just leave it at that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great way because I I mean I have my name out there. I'm on social media. All my friends, my family, they all know I'm the the Bitcoin guy. In the family, I'm the Bitcoin guy. In the friend circle, even though like most of my uh, closer friends are also like having Bitcoin standard adopted. Like some of them are even one hundred percent in, uh, yeah. like me, but. Um, I observed that it's best to, like in the beginning, I really wanted to orange-pill everybody. I was like talking with everybody. Uh, I think this is the urge that everybody has, especially in the beginning when they first get Bitcoin kind of. Uh, And then I discovered that Bitcoin is coming no matter what I do. Like Bitcoin does not meet me in in a sense. And so I was just putting my stuff out there on the internet uh, and putting it uh, publicly available for everybody and in real life I don't bring bitcoin up I wait till someone brings Bitcoin up it usually happens it happens now more than in one year ago and then if someone is interested then we can uh, then I talk about bitcoin so I my orange pilling advice is always uh, orange pill someone that is interested in, in it if it if he isn't interested it's hard to Uh, start the interest in him like people maybe can do it like people are maybe really uh, good educators and good uh, communicators um i tried it i failed with some i succeeded with some but i usually just wait till interest is there and then uh, i open them uh, i welcome them with open arms and try to guide them oh there is a good article there's a good podcast there's a good book you can read uh and if you're interested in that and that uh it, it also depends like what his uh, knowledge is like some are having the economical yeah. side because they're like a gold bug it was kind of the the yeah. thing with my dad he always already understood gold so he he, he needed more the technical side of it so uh, that, that's uh that's, always interesting to to see someone getting into Bitcoin and how they are getting into it. Um, what I also see with people getting into Bitcoin is people are getting distracted by uh, altcoins or shitcoins, I refer to them. Um, did you get uh, distracted by it uh, or why do you think people are getting distracted by it? For me, the same thing is with leverage. People are like, oh, I have Bitcoin, but I want to have like a big credit also now uh, with, with Bitcoin and they're getting 20x leverage or <laughs> all of this. Are What's your whole thoughts on this?
0: Uh, well, I, I cover I cover leverage. Uh, in in the piece in, in my Bitcoin basics piece, and I basically say don't do it and uh i i you know i think i quoted caitlin long in in my essay where uh, where she says like the quickest way for a fool in his bitcoin to be parted is is leverage but um but uh as for shit coins um I kind of fell into that trap in 2017
1: uh and
0: that was during the but i think i had a Better excuse than anyone would have now. The block wars were happening. Uh, secondary layers like Litecoin really hadn't been fleshed out, or light, I'm sorry, Lightning Network hadn't been fleshed out. And um, I could see that, uh, and 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 I should say that uh, I received, a, 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 you know, uh, the fork split of of uh, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin Cash, like. This was something everybody received uh, when when Bitcoin Cash came out, and to me, this was like this really unwanted distraction because I wasn't sure which of the forks would win, and I, and I was like, it just seemed like it was just kind of felt like uh, from what I could determine, Roger Ver was uh, was uh, not very bright and not. And, and he didn't strike me as terribly ethical. And suddenly I had this coin that he and his uh, cronies had created that I didn't want, but I was afraid to sell because maybe it, it wins out over Bitcoin. I got rid of some of my Bitcoin cash and I felt like Litecoin was uh, a better choice than Bitcoin cash for maybe good reasons, uh I, I but I I basically sold some of my Bitcoin cash and bought some Litecoin with it. I I, did, I never spent any of my real money on this. Uh, in hindsight, I wish I'd never purchased that Litecoin. I wish I'd just gone and plunged that money into into purchasing more Bitcoin because I would have been way 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 ahead. Like um, had I done that, any Bitcoin I purchased would have jumped six times. Whereas the Litecoin that I stupidly purchased fell by 50%, and uh, you know, but whatever. That was that that was probably my biggest mistake in Bitcoin. But uh, I never spent any of my own money on Litecoin. I regret buying it, and uh, I certainly have never promoted it. And I end my essay by. Uh, acknowledging that I own some and saying that it was a horrible mistake, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very anti-shitcoin, but I think that um, I think to people who are kind of intermediate Bitcoiners, uh, who who have you know a moderate amount of knowledge of Bitcoin, the the old uh, coin argument was vastly stronger in twenty seventeen during the block size wars than it is today. Like uh today we have the second layer solutions and you know, there's just there's just no reason for any old coin out there. The only thing I can think you can make any kind of case for is uh stable coins, which have true utility. But um, then you always have to wonder, are they really backed like they're supposed to be? Like, I can totally, I, I don't think there's any way to argue that stable coins um, do have a use case, uh, especially for people in, in countries that have deflation. Um, but uh, as to all those other altcoins, I, I hate them all. I think that they're a cancer on Bitcoin and uh one of my greatest joys over the past year has been looking at the 12-month Bitcoin versus Ethereum chart and just watching Ethereum grind ever lower uh, as uh, Vitalik and his uh, cronies try to come up with some shiny new use case for this uh, coin that's in freefall. Um you know, as I said, as we said at the start of the show, you know, Bitcoin really points out the people who lack a moral compass and, uh you know, nobody lacks a moral compass more so than the people who've pre-mined shit coins and are promoting them to enrich themselves. Uh, so I love to see those people fail.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's a, a beautiful way to to, to say it. Um for me, I also went into altcoins and uh, for me was the, the block size war really important also in Bitcoin histories. Uh, and in the whole uh, progress of Bitcoin becoming more um, resilient also. Uh, how was, how important do you think was the, the block size war in, in the Bitcoin history and how did it uh, like uh, guided bitcoin through the to the resilient thing it is is now or was it resilient or also before but it, it just was kind of a thing that it has had to prove
0: i think i think the, the i mean so my, i i know that there's one prominent book uh that's devoted to the block size wars that's supposed to be excellent i forget the the title of the book, and I even forget the person who wrote it, but uh, no doubt the, the I mean, this is not my area of expertise by a long shot. I, I don't know as much about the block size war as I should, because I, I don't, I don't understand the technical underpinnings of Bitcoin as deeply as I should. Like, I, I really can't even tell you in any honest, clear way what segwit does or you know i i know that it's uh, it's part of what grew out of the block size wars but there's there's just a lot of technical things that uh, that i'm not that interested in and that go over my head but um but i think i think uh, in my understanding of the block size wars the the most important thing to come out of it was the fork split and the launch of Bitcoin Cash, and, and then the later launch of BSV, uh, Satoshi Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. And watching these two coins pirate the Bitcoin name and claim to be the real Bitcoin, and watching, uh, what was it, Bitcoin, was it Bitcoin.com, promoting Bitcoin Cash as being the real Bitcoin in, in this really sneaky, slimy way. I, I forget if it was bitcoin.org or bitcoin.com, but you know, there, there was just what was done on one of those sites was just beyond the pale in terms of lacking integrity. Uh, basically tricking in people into thinking that uh, Bitcoin cash, Bcash was the real Bitcoin. But I think, I think that that was, um, that, that was the, um, in some ways, the great attack on Bitcoin in terms of what we could ever uh, hope to see in terms of a fork split and, and so forth. And just watching what happened both to Bcash and to BSV over the next several years. I mean, there was a time, I think, I you know, I think there was a week where Bcash was was selling for about half the price of bitcoin and for at least a year i think for a couple of years you could you could sell 6 caches and get a bitcoin like it you know it stayed as a very substantial portion of bitcoin's value for quite a while and um and i think that was largely because uh there were a lot of people like me out there who wasn't who weren't technically skilled enough to be a hundred percent sure that uh, Bcash would would uh, go down in flames. And I think as the years passed and Bcash ground ever lower, I mean that that is a really satisfying chart to look at as well. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely have this uh, schadenfreude element of my personality where. I just wish doom and destruction, and uh, uh, you know, I, I hope all these altcoins die in a fire. And I just, I, I just like watching them implode by one by one, because you know, I, I just uh, don't have uh, any respect or mercy towards these these shitcoins. Uh, but but yeah, I think I think Bcash and BSV were uh, an unprecedented form of attack on Bitcoin that we will never see on that scale again. I think there will be other attacks uh, that I can't even begin to predict. But watching how uh, Bitcoin disemboweled these two competitors uh, is, is, is at once immensely satisfying and immensely encouraging and instructive.
1: Yeah, it's it's the the chart of especially B cash and uh, I I use use sometimes when like in in my replies there's sometimes actually uh, people that uh, still really heavily believe in in those coins and, and it it just strikes me how someone can actually believe in that story and it's it's still uh, standing behind those coins even though it's so. Like in 2017, it's more understandable, but now there's so much education on it. There are like so many also Bitcoin-only podcasts, Bitcoin-only education pieces that really break it down why and not just saying it, like really deeply breaking it down and also like just. Just a pure free market over the last years, like the chart is, like, it's, it's its not even a, a close thing. Like, uh, it's its for me really uh, interesting to see that people are still believing and hanging on to it uh, so heavily. But yeah, uh, I think, but, as you said. But, yeah.
0: but one one thing I, I want to add also on top of all of that is that uh, the emergence, uh, the launch of Bcash. When that happened, that was really before the rise of Bitcoin Twitter. At that point, the biggest online way to uh, where, where all the Bitcoiners would communicate was the main Bitcoin uh, forum on Reddit. And that ended up getting taken over by the Bcashers. So like you're one, if if you were relatively new to the Bitcoin space and kind of only intermediate, you would, the bulk of the information you would be seeing about Bitcoin versus Bcash would be leading in the Bcash direction. And uh, you were essentially getting propagandized by the dominant um, forum channel on Reddit. Uh and and so it it made um I I'm just glad there were people like Matt Odell out there uh who were who were uh, being you know so direct and succinct and straightforward about why Bcash was just an imposter coin and why it was destined to fail. I uh, I definitely uh want to buy uh Matt Odell, the drink of his choice at uh, some point. If if we if I'm ever lucky enough to meet him, uh, and there's there's other people, of course. I think Trace Mayer uh, was really famous at that time for just uh, kind of gloating about how any chance, any time there was a fork split with Bitcoin, he would just sell the fork split and buy more Bitcoin. And uh, you know, so there's people who saw through the shitcoinery even before the block size wars and were consistent all the way through. But I will not say that in 2017, uh, my knowledge was sufficient to, to really spot this and took, it took, it took an extra year or so before I could really look at Bcash and, and just feel in my bones that this coin had no future and was just going to grind down to zero. Um, and, uh, you know, it has, I mean, but it was not until 2017, I guess, that I sold the last of my uh, Bitcoin cash. So. Yeah, um,
1: it it kind yeah. of speaks to the springs of Bitcoin that it went through that period and there was so many misinformation out there. There was so many, as you said, Bitcoin, Reddit uh, was was taken over by the PK. i I just don't know about that time because I went, came into yeah. Bitcoin way later. Um, so, uh, that that, speaks to the strengths of the monetary system. Basically for me, um, we are having an end routine in the podcast where, uh, the previous guest asked a question for the next guest uh, without knowing who, who the next guest actually is. <laughs> and, uh, if, if, if you, uh, and your question is, do you think circular economies are important for adoption and why and why not?
0: Yeah. Nah, I don't think so at all. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's a hard no. I mean, it's it's nice in theory or whatever, I guess, but that's gonna happen by itself when the time is right. There's gonna be technical advances. I mean, for Bitcoin to for Bitcoin, I mean, what matters now is is how good is Bitcoin at being a store of value. Uh, now, I mean, if we're talking about countries like Venezuela and uh, uh, countries in Africa where the currency is, is just collapsing, uh, then, then yeah, I mean, as a day-to-day spending method, then Bitcoin becomes truly important. But, um, I mean, for, for people in, in developed countries where the currencies are, are stable week to week, it's it's frankly not a problem, and you know the way. I I have no doubt that if you and I go out for a beer in ten years, uh, I'll be able to whip out my phone and use use you know this really cushy excellent wallet and just pay for my beer at any at any bar we go to like that will happen. But I think. Uh, you know the thing that I see happening is that at some point, like Apple uses uh Apple introduces like its own Bitcoin wallet with some kind of secure element built into this in a way that you know grandma can use and and you know Bitcoin at that point is going to have its Hotmail and AOL CD moment. I I think you may be too young to remember when the internet really took off in the late 1990s, Uh, but it all happened one year. And that was uh, like AOL, America Online, got really huge out of nowhere. And this was like when people subscribed to magazines and uh, this one year, any time a magazine came in the mail, there'd be a CD in it, and and this CD-ROM was to get you onto AOL, to get you onto America Online, and and so like all like these discs were everywhere. And AOL just blanketed the country, and everybody had at least five AOL discs. You couldn't. You know, every time you turned around, you'd have a new AOL disk in, in in your latest magazine or whatever, and um, and, and so like the on ramp to and, and granted it was shitty dial up uh, internet or whatever, but you were on the internet and AOL got you on and you were using a web browser and that's you know everything was uh, you know uh, something that your grandmother could do and get on the internet and then and then about a year or two later. Um, you know, Hotmail came out and this was before it got purchased by Microsoft. And for the first time, somebody just using a standard web browser could get a free email address. They didn't have to log into Unix and fire up, uh, Pine, uh, you know, the Pine, uh, client or, uh, through the command line interface, they could just open up a web page, you know, go to hotmail.com and, uh, have their free email account and, uh, yeah, I mean, Gmail turned out to be ten times better eventually, but it, Hotmail was the first web-based email solution that was good enough, and and suddenly you didn't have to be some dun- Dungeons and Dragons computer science seventeen-year-old nerd to be on the internet. You could you could be just a regular person, and I, I and I think that in terms of your ability to walk around with a couple hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin on your phone. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know there's wallets that can do that now. and I, I know it can be done. But I think that Bitcoin is going to have like a Hotmail moment, an AOL moment, where Apple, like its biggest introduction for the iPhone in 2020X, is is that it's going to be a Bitcoin enabled iPhone that is uh, that inspires the same kind of confidence as a as a cold card uh, because of breakthroughs in security and ease of use and at that point we can talk about circular economies and so forth but for now it's like much much more important than circular economy regular people to lock down some of their net worth into Bitcoin and to start thinking of Bitcoin as their unit of account, that's getting easier by the day. And and every month, more and more people are shifting away from their fiat currency to Bitcoin as their unit of account. And, And does it really matter whether the next beer that i buy you i'm i'm paying bitcoin for it if both of us have 85% of our wealth stored in bitcoin who cares about you know the the other 5% of currency or whatever who cares about how we're making payments i i, I mean i'm not dismissing it totally but i'm saying that it's a problem that will solve itself
1: so it's it's just coming eventually and we don't have to force it on that's uh, that's Uh, I think a a really good way uh, on on looking at it. Um, Where can uh, people, if they want to get in touch with you, uh, best find you? uh, And yeah, where can people get in touch with you?
0: Uh, the, The best thing is just the front page of my website. It has links to my article, to my Twitter account, to my email address. And my website is D as in Donald, N as in Nottingham comply dncomply.com and uh yeah that's definitely the best way to uh I, I even have a noster account and uh yeah i've got all that stuff uh, and uh so that's that's the best place to find me
1: thank you for being on
0: sure thing were you going to ask me a question for your next guest have you forgotten that
1: <laughs> yeah you- i will ask you uh, but usually i do it uh after the podcast
0: <laughs> ah, okay, okay, good, okay. That takes some of the pressure off of me. Uh, you yeah. just said that you do that, so I, I want to make sure you hadn't forgotten. So, uh, well, well, very cool. I've really enjoyed our conversation, Robin.